The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, of a member of the Wells on November 16, 2014, based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God through which the Holy Spirit keeps our hearts and minds focused on Jesus, our returning Savior, is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. A family gathered at the graveside, tears flowing, hugs given, words of sympathy shared. Is it the graveside of a Christian or not? On the outside, The death of a Christian and the death of an unbeliever can look very similar. We too cry. We too share hugs. We too encourage each other with words of sympathy. Jesus himself wept at the tomb of Lazarus. And those who saw it said, see how much he loved him. And that also shows us that the similarity is not just on the outside, is it? On the inside, too, we also feel the loss. We feel the heartbreak. We mourn. Psychology has described different stages of mourning or grieving. The Keebler-Ross model lists denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And there can be other stages, other emotions, and they don't necessarily go in the same order, and things vary from individual to individual, but Christians grieve, even as an unbeliever grieves. We too mourn. And so when when Paul writes here, when he says here, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind, He's not saying that Christians don't grieve. But he is saying that our grief is different. Our grief is not like 
the rest of mankind. But why? What makes Christian mourning different? Why is Christian mourning different? Well, Paul doesn't leave us in suspense there. In the very next words, he points to a key difference. The unbeliever has no hope. But don't unbelievers talk about hope? Don't you hear them saying at times, I hope they're in a better place. I hope they're no longer suffering. I hope they live on in our hearts and minds. I hope they won't be forgotten. Yes, they may talk about hope, but that kind of hope that they, they are talking about is, is, is wishful thinking. It's, not, it, it's, a, it's a hope that's going to disappoint. It's a false hope. And there, in, for in actuality, is no hope at all. Christian hope is different. So why is Christian mourning different? Because Christian hope is different. But what makes Christian hope different? Again, Paul doesn't leave us in suspense. That's brought out, as he says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Jesus makes all the difference Why is Christian mourning different? Well, first of all, because Jesus has died and risen, which brings us to the first part here. Jesus Christ, our Lord, has died and has risen. Think of what that means. He has gone on ahead of us through death. He has plowed the path, you might say. He has cleared the way. And what happened to Jesus after he died? He rose again. He rose from the dead. And so don't you think that he will bring those who follow him also to the resurrection? Those who share his cross with him in this life here will also rise to live with him in glory there in heaven because Christ has died and has risen again. He certainly has the power to raise the dead, doesn't he? Because he himself broke death's chains. He paraded through hell in victory. He conquered the grave and he gives his victory to his people. That's what he wants to do. He not only has the power to raise the dead, that's what he wants to do for his people, his faithful followers, for you and for me. For he says to you and to me, even as he said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, the victory is his. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. What a promise. Believe it, dear Christian, believe it. At his command, the dead will rise. Jesus talked about that in John chapter 5. He talks about himself there and says, The time is coming when those who are in the grave will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. For you see, dear friends, through faith in Jesus, we are eager to do good. All the dead will be raised, Jesus says. But it is only his people, his believers, that will enjoy that resurrection 
as a resurrection to life eternal, to be with him forever. Through faith in Jesus, we are eager to do good. And even though, like the Apostle Paul, we recognize that even the best we do is still stained by our sins so that the good we want to do isn't, isn't what we actually end up doing, yet we know and believe that Jesus' blood washes away those stains so that we can live our lives as a thank offering to our God, offering our lives as a pleasing, acceptable gift of thanks to him. As for the unbeliever, even the best and most beneficial work they do is still evil in God's sight. And so we see that Christ makes all the difference here, doesn't it? Because he died, because he has risen, that changes our relationship with God, for he has taken away our sins and through faith in him, we are right in God's sight. And so we have that hope. That hope that knows that Christ has died and risen, and therefore we too can follow him through death, knowing that he will raise us. The unbeliever has no real hope. It is just wishful thinking, but for us who believe, Jesus makes all the difference. So our mourning, the Christian's mourning, is different. Christ has died and has risen. And so, for the Christian who dies, death is like sleeping. Paul refers to it as falling asleep here, doesn't he? Now, I know the world will also use that word. They'll also describe death like, as if it were sleeping. But for the world, that's just a euphemism. They don't want to deal with the stark dread reality of death, and so they call it something that doesn't sound so bad. But for us who believe in Jesus, for the Christian, it's not just a euphemism. For the Christian, death truly, really is just like sleeping because Jesus will wake us up. Our bodies will lie in the grave, and even though they will rot and decay and disintegrate into dust, Jesus will wake us up. Well, he will wake up our bodies. And what about our souls? Well, the Christian soul goes to be with Jesus when we die. Think of Jesus' parable of the rich man and Lazarus. The angels brought the soul of Lazarus to be with Jesus in heaven. And so also, as we face death, our bodies, we know, will lie in the grave, asleep, awaiting the resurrection when Jesus wakes us up and our soul will be with our Lord and when he comes again on the last day, he will bring us with him and raise our bodies and will be with our Lord forever. Notice how it says that here, that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so Christian mourning is different because we know that death is just like sleeping Jesus will wake up our bodies. But how can we be sure of that? How can we be sure that when we die, our soul will be with Jesus and that our bodies will sleep in the grave until the last day when Jesus wakes our bodies up? How can we be sure? How can we know that this hope isn't just like the world's false hopes that are just wishful thinking? 
I don't want my hope being built on the fact that, well, I, I, I hope it's true, I want it to be true. I don't want my hope built on what someone else says they experienced when they had a near-death experience. How can we be sure? Well, it's as Paul says here, Christ has died and has risen. Think of that. He has already died. He has already risen. Those are established facts, accomplished facts. And so our hope is not built on wishful thinking or on wanting something to be true or on what someone else has said they experienced. Our hope is built on Jesus who has gone through death paying for all the sins of the world and who has risen from the dead bringing us God's verdict of, of, of justification, of forgiveness so that through faith in him we are right with God and therefore can stand firm on Jesus who has died and has risen and look forward with that eager hope and expectation that knows that we will be with him. What a promise. Believe it, dear friend, believe it. For Jesus not only has died and risen, he is coming again. You have his word, his unchangeable word on that. He is coming again. And that brings us to the second part here. Christ Jesus, our Lord, is coming again. And what a day that will be. Paul gives us a glimpse of this as he describes it. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. What a day. As Jesus raises his believers with glorified bodies that will live with him forever. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul describes that resurrection, our resurrection on the last day. He says, so it will be at the resurrection. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Or think of what he writes to the Philippians in chapter 3. And so we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they are like his glorious body. What a day that will be when all the saints of God, all the believers, are there with Jesus glorified, reflecting, shining with his glory and, and that that transformation, that change, not only happens to the believers who have already died, but also for those who are still alive. As Paul says, we also, we who are, are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Yes, Christian mourning is so different because our hope is so different. Our hope is built on our Savior who died and rose and who is coming again. Coming again so that we may live with him forever in heaven. Encourage each other. That's why Paul writes these words, so that we can encourage each other 
at the death of a Christian. Encourage yourself, encourage one another by looking to Christ. He has changed death for the Christian into the doorway to heaven. Jesus has died to pay for the sins of the world and he has risen so that those who believe in him are right with God. Jesus has died and risen. And so we encourage each other at the time of mourning by pointing to Christ. But this encouragement isn't just for those times of mourning. Encourage one another continually. Encourage each other to always be ready and waiting, to be watchful, because Jesus truly is coming back. He is returning. And we don't want to be caught off guard. Encourage each other to be like the wise virgins who had oil for their lamps. We want to keep our faith burning brightly, fueled with the oil of God's word and sacraments. For the gospel in word and sacrament is the oil that fuels our faith, that prepares us and keeps us ready for that day. So many think, that they know Jesus well enough and are ready even for, for Jesus, even though they do not keep their faith filled with God's word. Don't, let yourself, don't find yourself shut out with the door closed. Rather, keep on fueling your faith as you eagerly wait for that day when Jesus will return. For dear friends, you know and believe that Christ has died and risen and that he will come again. That is really the heart and core of the gospel. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Encourage each other to always be ready, holding on to those truths. For through his death, he has redeemed you to be his very own. And by his resurrection, he has reconciled you to God, bringing eternal life to all who believe in him. With eager hope and expectation, we watch, waiting for our Savior, waiting with patient hope and faithful service, for he will come again. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.